The following program is paid for by Rudy Wealth Management. Good morning, and welcome to Paul Rudy's On the Money. You're invited to be part of today's show. Call 356-9397. Opinions and views expressed represent those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the station. And now, Paul Rudy's On the Money. Well, good sunny Tuesday, everybody. This is Paul Rudy with Paul Rudy's On the Money Radio Show. I'm here with my regular guest, Dr. Fred Gertz. Dr. Fred, we're almost another one, another right. year in the books. Right, just another average year. <laughs> <laughs> Why, did something happen this year? And uh, certified financial planner professional Ryan Repko, who works with me at Rudy Wealth Management. Ryan, good morning. Good morning. And father to my grandkids. Most important title of all. It's the only reason you have a job. Yeah, it keeps me in the loop. <laughs> Yeah, it keeps us in the loop, too, I tell you. So you can call me with your questions, 217-356-9397, or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line at 351-5357. You can also email your questions to talk at wdws.com. It's important to recognize that past performance is not an indication of future results. You should not make any investment decisions without first consulting your own financial advisor and conducting your own research and due diligence. Whew, all in one breath. Darn coronavirus. Anyway, well, Fred... What a year. I mean, right. just who'd have thought? Yeah. It's a, a strange year. It's a, in some ways, it's kind of like a roller coaster ride where you start off and you do all kinds of weird things and you come back to where you were at the beginning, which is a pretty, uh, pretty uh, usual situation, which is a, a quite, a, quite a strange after the ride because, again, no one expected the um, virus to come along and uh after that no one expected the financial recovery to be as rapid as as it was and i think that uh, at least i'm surprised about how well the economy has fared through this uh, very difficult time and ryan uh you know from a, a perspective from someone who is in the trenches working with people that are retired uh what was it you know, now that you look back on the year, I mean, <laughs> it's certainly your most interesting year so far, is it not, in, in your career? Oh, certainly. I think that was uh, a year where I cut my teeth. Um, a lot was learned, I think, for for most clients who'd been around and had been uh, engaged with us as their advisor for a period of time. This wasn't something that uh, I think really rattled their boat so much. I think a few people put in phone calls just to make sure, hey, are you guys still doing okay? Uh, I know I got one or two of those, actually, just checking on you as the advisor. And I said, hey, this is supposed to be the other way around here. Yeah. Um, but they, they had some compassion for the thoughts of what we were going through is just helping others get through this time. But for the most part, um, it was just the, the folks who are more the newly minted retirees that thought, is this the big one? Is this the sky is falling and, and the whole plan is collapsed under its weight? Um, and I think the the silver lining of the whole thing uh, was that, for our clients who are, you know, the relatively new client, they came to learn that, oh my gosh, all of the planning that we actually talk about on the front end of uh, a relationship prior to ever bringing someone on actually did what it was supposed to do. Um, and it's by no means to say that that's what happens each and every single time. But the whole point is, it, I think it gave people a, a sense of like exhale, like, oh, okay, I've seen I've seen something bad, and it looks like my lifestyle remains relatively, if not entirely, unchanged from a financial standpoint for those new clients. So, uh, it was an interesting observation. It Probably really got was. to rebalance a couple of times this year. Oh yeah, sometimes even like week by week. You know, you do it one week, and then oh my gosh, there's another two thousand point dip in a day, and then another thousand the day after that. And I'm talking about like the Dow numbers. I mean. 
things were moving so fast, so quickly, it almost was, um, it was a case to say we need to hit stop for a moment and just kind of let the market settle because otherwise we'll, reba- we'll rebalance too frequently. Um, and you know, it was, it was a little bit of a wild time there. Like Dr. Fred said, very much like a roller coaster with the, the high dip, you know, the, the highs and the lows going day after day. It was an emotional roller coaster. I think that's the key <clears throat> for people that, uh, are heading into retirement is you want to make sure your plan is not breakable. You know, you really, it really needs to be flexible. Um, you know, one of the real keys to retirement planning that is, you know, trying to create an income stream you're not going to live in a rising cost environment. It's typically over a three-decade retirement. More likely than not, you're going to get reasonably generous returns, but you have to live long enough. You have to survive to get those returns. So it's a, part of the process in our planning is to be extra careful in the first portion, kind of the last few years of work, three to five years of work, and the first three to five years of retirement. It's really important to create a plan that um, basically is very, is very flexible and won't break. It's not to say it's, there's not a scenario out there where it couldn't break, but you know, when you his- historically back test them, uh, so far that anything been thrown at them uh, really hasn't been a problem. Yeah. Um, and so, Fred, your reaction to obviously we're a day off of uh, just from the big new stimulus package, whatever it's even called. I, right. You know, all day yes, up until it, they finally posted the text, I couldn't even find the name of the bill. Right. It's I pro- searched and searched and searched. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, again, it seems like. Uh, Ordinary in, uh, in an odd sense, it's ordinary sense that it uh, follows up on what's been done in the last year or so. But again, it's very extraordinary compared to what's been done in, in past years. But I wanted to second one thing that uh, Ryan said that uh, it, it would be easy to, to say, well, we told you and everything's oh, sure. going to be fine. You, you just have your plan and stick to it. But uh, sometimes uh, it doesn't go up and down in three or four months. It may be three or four years. And mm-hmm. even uh, we were saying this back in 2009 that it doesn't always recover as quickly as it did in those days. And that was a quick recovery. This has been even uh, right. m- much uh, quicker. So, you know, you we went away for a couple of months. You came back and you say, well, what happened? And not much really happened. Which is a lot different than yeah. you could probably go back to, you know, mid-60s, 1966 through 82, yeah. where the Dow went from 1,000 to 1,000 with some sheer terror in between. A couple right. of, you know, 150% bear market, you know, half half price uh and then another was pretty close and you know so i think that's a that's a good caveat um my experience is the faster markets go down the faster they recover typically uh of course try to tell that to people in 1929 i suppose i guess that would be one that was really a really long grind back out but at least in my probably post-world war ii it seems like there's some relationship which again like we say at the beginning of the show doesn't there's no facts about the future but it just seems more and more as markets decline, this, the speed uh, on the way down seems to dictate somewhat the speed on the way up. I don't know if that's a Federal Reserve thing. We've gotten better at throwing emergency right. liquidity at them or not. But it's certainly an emotional test for people. And we should also say that we're not talking about the, the economy at large. We're talking about the financial sector, right. even though uh, people's portfolios came back. There are all kinds of other disruptions and issues that are causing continuing problems yeah you can see it you can you can drive down you know almost any street and you still see a lot of businesses that are hurting and because there are a lot of businesses hurting therefore a lot of employees that are hurting at the same time uh so there is no you know there's no shortage of pain still out there 
um, even though we've had a, a pretty rapid recovery in both the stock market and the economy, more in the stock market than the economy. The economy's certainly not back to where it was. Okay. It's, it's not even that, I don't know if I'd even call it close or not, but mm. it's, got a long, it's got a ways to go. It'd be interesting to see if this new package, like, <laughs> it was 5,000. When I did finally download it, it was almost 5,600 pages. And I was just looking for certain aspects of it. There doesn't seem to be anything material, uh, materially related to retirement, you know, and, 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 right. and like, it looks like, you know, if your particular area, the way I read it, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't take this for gospel, but <clears throat> my cursory look at it looks like they extended the idea that you can borrow up to $100,000 or you can withdraw up to $100,000 in your 401k or retirement plans as long as they qualify. If you're, the area you live is deemed an actual uh, disaster area, it's, it's not the one before it was just if you had COVID. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, if you had COVID, if your spouse had COVID, if a dependent that, that you were taking care of had COVID, there were a series of rules. I th- that seems to be tightened up. I didn't see anything in there about no required minimum distributions next year. So That could come later, too. It, it sounds like they put a, you know, they really wanted to get this done. Uh, that still could come, but that's not in there. Um, I did notice the payroll protection program. Um, there's been real debate. The IRS and the Treasury has taken the position prior to yesterday uh, that if you got a payroll protection program loan, PPP I'll call it, uh, and you thought you were going to have it forgiven, then you would have to, you couldn't deduct the expenses as a related. So it, it essentially made it taxable, a taxable, yeah. like a loan forgiveness. And the, the legislators were saying that really wasn't the intent. The IRS was taking the position that if you reasonably think you're going to get it, uh, even if it's next year uh, forgiven, then you would have to forego the deductibility of those expenses this year. So it was a real problem for a lot of small businesses, and they did clean that up and tighten that up. It appears that now there'll be full deductibility. We're going to have the three martini lunch, Fred. Right, Fred. You, you remember uh, the three martini lunch? And that's even before my time in the 50s. <laughs> well, so when I was first out of college, I worked in sales for a truck line. I know. It's a pretty long <laughs> leap from there to here. But in 1982, there was no investment business yeah. when I graduated from college. The Dow was at 777. So nobody was looking for somebody who looked like they were 12 yeah. uh, to be one of their advisors. Um, so just sales was kind of my nature from yeah. the old days of Baskin Clothing and all my brothers. And my dad managed Baskin Clothing in Lincoln Square. And so I guess we're all probably salespeople, all my brothers and I. And back then, and that was in the, like I said, early 80s, I think 82 83 um it was not uncommon in that industry you know if you wanted to get the logistics person that picked the, who the yeah. truckers were going to be i walked away from many lunches you know pretty blurry so <laughs> it's it, was a, it was still a three martini yeah. lunch period back then it's amazing you walked away from yeah. those you didn't <laughs> wobble your way home maybe there's a story yeah. from the the 50s where the boss said uh only drink vodka at lunch <laughs> so no <laughs> good idea. When you come back, you know? that's a good idea. So uh, anyway, I didn't see, but we're going to get six hundred dollars per person per dependent. I guess you know. So for a married couple, like you get twelve hundred and six hundred dollars for each dependent. So a family of four okay. could conceivably get twenty four hundred. Um, I suspect that's going to be. Is that stimulative, or is it just more of keeping this thing from in a coma until we can work our way out of it? Well, I think it's in a sense it keeps it from. Uh, 
backtracking, which is, I, is in, in a sense a, a stimulus. But you could probably already write the stories. Uh, there are going to be all kinds of uh, misspent money, money, checks going to people who shouldn't get them and people who expect them not getting them. And when you do it this quickly in this uh, uh, kind of environment, there, there's always a, a likelihood that it's not going to be targeted very very effectively. You'd have to be the ultimate speed reader to get through 5,500 pages in six hours to vote on it. Yeah. There was a lot of criticism. There are a lot of silly yeah. little things that slipped into there, but yeah. that's... Well, Nancy Pelosi could come back with her famous statement that you have to uh, pass it and then see what's in it, which is true that uh, in, in reality, uh, almost no one in the legislature, uh, state or, or federal, really knows every uh, aspect of the law that's passed, when in this case... So they put together very quickly for uh, five thousand pages. Uh, I, pro- I doubt any one person has read every every part of that. And it looks like they punted on bailing out the states, at least in this round. Yeah, doesn't I think they'll try again. Right. By the way, since it's the end of the year, and this is it's either the end of my thirtieth year or thirty first year. Started at the beginning of nineteen ninety. If anybody out there can guess what ten thousand dollars invested in the Vanguard. Index 500 Admiral version in January 1st of 1982, or might be the second, I guess, probably. What do you suppose $10,000 be worth today in the S&P 500 index? So, callers, that's my challenge. If anybody comes reasonably close, I'll send them a, I'll send the person that gets, boy, this is getting corny, but this is an idea that popped in my head because I was even, I get amazed to look back and see what would $10,000 be worth 30 years later. And so I used the beginning of this show. So I'll give you a $100 gift card to Somewhere Fun for anybody that can come reasonably close that isn't a professional who's got the database to actually look at it uh, just to see what people out there might expect $10,000 to be worth today 30 years later from January of 1990. I said 1990, didn't I, guys? I think I did. Anyway, so they punted on that. Uh, they're going to do some more unemployment, but it looks like it's about half of the last time. But is there some sensibility to that, Fred, maybe that we right. can't give so much for so long that there's a disincentive for people to go back to work? Well, certainly, but I, I think that uh, eventually it's going to dry up and people will have to get more serious. But right now you hear these conflicting stories about hardships and then also – uh, counter stories about businesses that can't hire the people they need. So it's, it's kind of a give and take. But I think that there was at least a little concern about the long-run impact of this. It's another $900 million, uh, billion, which comes on top of uh, probably $3 trillion already. So we always have this lingering fear in the back of our minds about what's going to happen in the future when that goes away and we actually have to start uh, dealing with it. higher interest rates or inflation, things of that sort of certainly – a possibility at some point. Doesn't Jap- Japan kind of defy that concept, though? I mean, they've they've they have a debt to GDP higher than ours, and have for a long time, and they have basically deflation, or certainly right. close to deflation. Right, and, and, and they have a you know a stumbling. It's not just a, a stumble for a couple of years; it's almost a thirty-year kind of malaise. Right. It's not not terrible. I mean, someone in in uh, Europe said, "If that's a recession, uh, I'll take a recession because the." The Japanese recession wasn't uh, catastrophic, but they also, I think, were, uh, and we may be in the same situation, that Japan in the uh, 90s and later was not willing to pull the plug on some activities that were clearly uh, kind of zombie organizations that were uh, dead but still walking around. And 
uh, that I think many people think that's one reason why the recovery has been so uh, so sluggish. It's not really recovery, but just the uh, three-decade period of right. slow growth. And slow growth has its consequences. Right. I mean, we, we, we think of terms of the U.S. growing historically trend line somewhere close to 3%. That doesn't sound like a big deal, but if you're below 1%, it's a big deal. It right. can be a big problem. Um, uh, part part of the solution to get out of a period where you're really piling on the debt uh, as a country is good nominal growth in GDP uh, to grow your way out of it. And the other way is to inflate your way inflate, out of it. Or a combo platter, like we've kind of been through that. Because if you have high inf inflation rates, the real value of the debt is actually... So inflated. we can expect to see more commercials on uh, cable TV about, you know, uh, gold uh, going to the millions of dollars per ounce and the dollar yeah. crashing and the U.S. not yeah. being able to pay its bills. Right. And, and everything, uh, Bitcoin, whatever, you can... <laughs> Take your choice. And, but again, uh, that's not out of the question. It's just the question of uh, can we manage it? I think we can, but there's always uh, the, the question of when, when does the discipline actually begin? And we haven't had any evidence that we're willing to take that step anytime soon. And part of it is because the very low interest rates that the, uh, that the Treasury has to pay for its bonds that they yeah. issue to back the currency um, or, or, you know, to, 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 yeah. to do everything they're doing. Some people would say printing money. I don't think yeah. that's necessarily well, the, the exact same thing. But um, with low interest rates, the fact that we have this very high, similar to the uh, going back to World War II, somewhere in the close to 130% of GDP in debt, uh, if you look at a line of total interest payments, it really doesn't look like any right. more of a problem today than it was 10 years ago or maybe right. even less. But things have changed, too. That, uh, this was... Uh, about the time uh, Bob Dole ran for presidency and someone said he's the tax collector for the welfare state. And in those days, the story was that Democrats spent a lot of money and then Republicans had to come along and clean it up with uh, raising taxes. But now <laughs> there's no one to to be the, uh, the tax collector for the welfare state. Both the Republicans and Democrats are sort of equally uh, involved in this kind of activity. But you're not uh, distressed over the current level of debt. Well, it's the same. Uh, it sounds like a dodge, and to a certain extent it is, but I'm not I'm not concerned in the near term, uh, five years or so, but I'm concerned in the long term. But I would have said that five or ten years ago, and, and we still are uh, trotting along the path of uh, not very much discipline in terms of spending and taxing, but uh, nothing terrible has happened so far, and I think it's not going to happen anytime soon, but we do have to make some some uh, changes and uh, probably be painful changes in regard to some transfer programs, things of that sort. Yeah, well, what a year it's been. Um, what be interesting to see what next year brings. Some of it's going to come down to, I guess, Georgia, maybe. You know, one way or another, I mm -hmm. suppose it's still probably going to be difficult to get any major tax right. increases through any big giant programs that aren't. I suppose you could probably get infrastructure done. And right. things like that get both sides, but as far as any sweeping reforms, probably not for a couple of years. I wouldn't think so. And again, uh, some of the uh, if the Democrats may have a majority in the uh, House, and if they'd have a razor thin majority, if, uh, unlikely event they uh, win both places in uh, both uh, races in Georgia. There still be a lot of uh, Democrats in relatively conservative districts. They're not going to want to uh, put themselves on the line here. So I don't think it's going to be a a dramatic kind of change. Well, we started the year with an airstrike on General Osem Soleimani, so that's how we started off the year. 
So I don't know if people felt good or bad about that. Probably both. So probably I, can't re- I can't even remember it. So. Yeah, I remember it was a big deal. He was plotting a war, so they say, yeah. and so they, they did a strike. And, you know, pretty tense period, but seemed to got over that very quickly because by January 19th, we were the first folk, uh, COVID case in the USA. And, uh, you know, prior to that, it's basically contained to China for the most part. But that certainly grabbed <laughs> grabbed the headlines and really has ever since. I hope I never hear the word COVID again at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by February, uh, on the 19th, so here, here we start off the year pretty strong. February 19th, we have a record in the stock market at 3,386 on the Standard & Poor's 500 index. And it was up 400% from the peak, I mean, from the, from the, where March 2009 lows, where the great bull market began, and I would argue still is with us. Uh, but it fell almost 34% in a very short period of time. Uh, but then quickly became the shortest bear market in U.S. history, 1.1 months. S&P 500 then climbed 20% in the second quarter, another 8.5% in the third, and it's continued to do that. And I, I think that just confounded people. Um, uh, I just think there seemed to be such a disconnection. I remember talking about it a number of times on this show. How could that be in the depths of tens of millions of people uh, being thrown out of work, businesses closed? How could the stock market be going up? And we've talked about it a number of times because it's always forward-looking, and it knows that at some point we'll either solve it or learn to live with it. Um, I think we do have a call. Donna. Maybe Donna, she probably knows the answer to my question. It's going to cost me 100 bucks. Oh. Donna, are you there? Yes, I am, Paul. Can I guess on the $10,000? Oh, wait a minute. I got to do what the radio station say. No family members. Bet you can guess. But How about $650,000? No, and I'm going to tell you, you are more optimistic than even I am, and I didn't think that person existed. Oh, okay. So you're high. I will well, tell. I will tell people you're high, not you're high. You're thanks. you're not high. Bye bye. All right. Thanks. Bye bye. So that was one. So the question was ten thousand dollars invested in the S and P five hundred Anguard's index five hundred Admiral series. What would it be worth today? So we've had one guess around six hundred thousand. And in what year? And, you need, and, 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 but in reality, if Donna knew, if she, if I would have said thirty six years. She would have been really close. So starting in January, very beginning of January of 1990. So Donna had really had about just another half a decade. That's how big of a difference. And it was quite a difference those six or seven years. What What is the uh, fund? Is it a, was it a no load? Uh, it's the Vanguard's no load no. S&P 500 index fund that mimics the S Standard & Poor's 500 index fund. And the only reason I call it the Admiral Series, that's their even lowest cost version of the fund. It wouldn't really wouldn't matter if I just used their investor class. or you know They're going to be pretty close. Um, but that was actually a pretty good guess for just a few, for another six years. Um, so we began lockdown. So I'm just kind of going a little quick year in review. And I remember... <laughs> Something I really hadn't heard before, flatten the curve. Now, do you guys remember the confusion about what it right. is we were trying to accomplish? Like, Well, the, we were trying to uh, have herd immunity, uh, flatten the curve. Uh, that, that idea was not necessarily prevent uh, COVID, but spread it out over a longer period. So, again, I think the going back, the, the analysis is that really no one knew exactly what was happening, and they were 
uh, making some guesses, and right. some are some are good, some are bad. And I get uh, I, it's, it's strange about the uh, the uh, vaccination. I, I think that uh, now everyone say, well, we could have it in six weeks or so on. But back in those days, we were talking about well, we'd like to have it in two or three years, if at all. If at all, yeah. yeah. I, it's it is amazing um, what we can do today with the sequencing of DNA, right. and um, also. Uh, there's been a long-term kind of um, criticism of the pharmaceutical um, development, and it makes it too difficult to have new drugs, uh, too expensive, too long, and this, so this, uh, it may not be necessary to do that every in every case. Right. We have Paul on the line. Let me see if I can do this right. Paul, you have a question yeah. about stimulus checks. Correct. And what is that question? So I know that last time they they figured out dependence was off their 2019 tax return. Yes. Since the first round of stimulus checks, I had a child in September. Okay. Is there <laughs> anywhere question. I can go to factor in you know, the dependent for this round of stimulus checks? I suspect the answer is you're not going to get it right away. Right. Uh, it may be possible to backtrack at some point, but I think they're, given the, their interest in speed, that they're working off the existing uh, yeah, IRS data, and you haven't filed a new return, so I, I don't think you should expect it to come anytime soon. There's still a possibility that it might come late. You probably should maybe write your congressman or senator and ask him what the uh, situation is and can, can this be rectified. I'll do a little research on that, too, and if Sun Paul's listening down in Texas, maybe you can Google that and see what you can come up for. I hadn't even thought about that, and I also thought, well, it's based on certain ages, too, so what if now a child is over that age? I think it's just going to be whatever it was at that point, so I don't know. I don't have an answer to your question, but you did pique my curiosity, and I'll do some, I'll do some uh, thinking on that and some searching on that. And if, if I come up with anything on the next show, the first, second Tuesday of January, um, we'll certainly talk about that. But that's a great question, and it certainly it's going to impact a good number of people. All right. Anything Thank else, Paul? All right. Thanks. No. You know this guy's name, Paul? Ask brilliant questions. <laughs> what is that? that? 22 million jobs, Fred. That's what we lost. That's what we had filed cl- uh, f- jobless claims uh, in March. Right. Wow. Yeah, it happened. Again, uh, unlike most other downturns, this was a really precipitous drop. Usually uh, things start slowing down and they slow down and then suddenly they uh, go negative, but not not like this. Not, as you said, February, uh, in terms of all the the data, uh, was kind of a a pretty good month, actually. And then the the next month, uh, everything went went away. So, again, the, 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 the. the suddenness of the drop is uh, probably the unusual thing. And it may be also one of the, as you talked about, one of the reasons for the recovery because there wasn't anything fundamentally wrong with the economy and and it just had this outside influence coming in and maybe there's underlying strength that's now showing itself and, and coming back. And you've mentioned in the past we were probably fortunate to have such a strong economy going into this. Right. Yeah, we had a strong economy, but on the other hand, uh, We'd always been saying we were running on empty, and we were. So we were usually at the end of a expansion. Uh, government revenues are pretty strong. Uh, expenditures maybe down a little bit because of um, not as many transfer payments. But this time we were already running a huge deficit. We had tax cuts and all kinds of things. So we basically didn't have much to 
fall back on. So obviously the uh, the result was a lot of extra borrowing. Yeah, it's uh, the last time it was a way you could submit. This is from Sun Paul. You had to if had to depend on the IRS, but had to do it by October 15th. I don't see it. So that looks like there will be a mechanism um, where you can retroactively go back and say, hey, I've had a child and uh, since yeah. then. And so there'll, there'll be a way. And once we figure that out, uh, Paul, listener Paul, we will put that in there. Maybe we could post it on our, our Rudy Wealth Management Facebook page as just a resource. Yeah, if that's can, a good if idea. If can get an access to it, so you can check that on Facebook. Yeah, we'll definitely come up with the answer. Uh, we may not know when it's going to happen, but first we'll we'll actually put on our Facebook page what happened last time and what the procedure was. I expect it will be the same. So I think there is an answer out there. Uh, so my son Paul seems to think there will be. Um, anyway, it was a strange year. I'm not even going to go into the rest of it. We had protests, lockdowns, uh, bitterness, presidential election that was quite weird. Um, you know, just a it, what a year. Right. Um, w- what an interesting year it was. And, and we've talked about this and we'll move on. But j- if, if I would have thought on December, whatever this is, what is today? Twenty second. I mean, I couldn't have imagined that we'd be sitting right. within one percent of all time highs in the stock market. Uh, the economy somewhat roaring back. I might have bought that, but uh, just and, and I bet some people listening to this probably think I think everything's rosy and it's not coming up roses. Not for well, one of the one of the reasons the economy may may be better than we actually think is that the. Casualties are very visible, the closed restaurants and bars right. and places like that. But the ones that have expanded are the behind-the-scenes kind of thing, uh, Amazon deliveries and uh, th- that sort of thing. So th- those are not nearly as visible in terms of you know, driving down the street. You may see more Amazon trucks, but you see all the closed businesses, and that's obviously more, more vivid. Yeah, it, it, it seems like it sets up, uh, uh, you know, in some ways, for some industries, a vicious death spiral. Now, this PPP yeah. should is really targeted towards mom and pop shops and right. restaurants. You can that seems to be the case. We're going to go to Bill on line one. Bill, how are you today? Oh, just great. Beautiful day out there. It is. Uh, I'll just make a guess on your ten thousand dollar investment. All right. Uh, Drum rolls. I would just. I just kind of did this in my head. I figured, well, you know, if something doubled every seventh year, you know, you start with 10 and seven years out, you're talking 20, and that doesn't, that other that seven, that's 40. But I'm going to guess around 300, anywhere from 240,000 to 300,000. You're high. You're, you're, roughly, you're over it. Uh, it's Am still, yes. No. Now, we're, and I'll also clue you in that. Really, the last 20 years, we've had one of the lowest returns, not the lowest, but one of the lowest returns for the S&P 500 for a 20-year period. So it's it's really been on the low end. So I do congratulate you, though. What Bill referred to is the rule of 72, um, which you divide yeah, your... That's all I was referring to. I tried to do it in my mind, but I, I should have gotten a calculator out and done a You know what? For a lot of 30-year periods, you'd probably be really, really close. But it's yeah, still an impressive number. Or I did the calculation. Or I looked at the wrong calculation. You really enjoy your show, okay? Thank you, Bill. Thanks for calling in, and thanks for taking a chance. All right. Um, Yeah, so 
Okay, I'll get so, back to that. Yeah. Well, you were uh, you were looking at me. I said, yeah. "Hey, we got a phone call." So yeah, I've, what I was going to say is I'll blame COVID. I'm confused today. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> uh, I know we've kind of just talked about like you know just in reviewing the year from the extreme lows to the to the highs that we're at now in such a short period of time. It's really such a poster child for why trying to to guess the market and trying to outmaneuver it, outsmart it, just isn't something that's feasible. I mean. Um, kind of interesting story. Last week, I was in a a study group and we had uh, David Getch, who's one of the producers of the Big Bang Theory, attend our study group. Um, And he was talking about, you know, just the same concepts that we are, that what a year this has been, highs, lows, and look at where we're at. If we just closed our eyes past, you know, February, late February and opened them today, we'd say, what a pretty boring year. Um, But, you know, with your eyes open and, and knowing what we know, we know it was, you know, anything but... Um, it was just, I think, an, in- an interesting observation from somebody who's, who's, you know, someone in a completely different role, um, not involved in the, in the financial world by any means other than just personal investing. Um, but it, I think it just bears repeating that, you know, if, if you think that you have a, a more inside view than the next guy does for whatever reason, you'd have to have some pretty serious uh, insider information on, you know, a company or something in right. particular that like you're going to place a judge on, like Tesla. Like you personally know more than anyone else does on the face of the planet. And there's probably a handful of folks that do that, know that from time to time, but trading on it would be illegal. Um, so, you know, what do you resort to is, well, if we can't judge what's going to happen in the future, we can make guesses, but guesses over, over a period of time cannot be done hit, not consistently to actually continue right. to make correct guesses and guess after guess. Um, what do we resort to? And, you know, for most, for most people who follow what we do and not right. everyone does, it's, you know, trying to own as much as you possibly can and buy the, sh- buy the shares and, you know, like your 401ks and your IRAs and just own as much as you can over a period of time, dollar cost averaging with those contributions. Um, and it's a slow grind to retirement. Uh, but another interesting stat, I heard that if, if, um, Warren Buffett had retired at age 65, we probably wouldn't know him at all as this like renowned worldwide investor. We'd know him as a good investor. We'd know him as someone who did well in business, but he accumulated 99% of his wealth after age 65, which I found to be an absolutely fascinating stat. And it just shows you the immense power of compounding and how the longer you're investing, the longer you're in the game, the you know greater your opportunity will be in the outcome. Um, and that's just why you know so many things people can't, get to that immense wealth at the end of their life because they're trying to potentially outsmart and maneuver rather than staying invested in owning things passively. Yeah. Well, even Warren Buffett hasn't uh, kept up with the index the last decade. Right. So, mm-hmm. Or longer. And, and yeah. I was going to say that there's a, a, a kind of hectic saying that uh, uh, hope springs eternal. I just read that the um, Norway sovereign uh, wealth fund now is going to become active in the they think they can do better, even though they've done pretty well. And, and the argument is, well, we're big. And they actually, I think, it's more of a prestige thing. If you have uh, trillions of dollars, you can be a big player and people are nice to you and talk to you and things like that. But for the uh, small investor, obviously, uh, you're, you're probably going down the wrong path in this, this sort of uh, direction you're talking about not, mm-hmm. or not talking about. And I'm going to get to a text here in a minute, but I think that, Ryan, you, you hit on something that I don't think is talked about enough, uh, and that's really kind of the acceptance that compounding is where the magic happens. 
and just how critical the amount of time you know it's time that's a function of of compounding and and I think it sort of makes uh, to me the most important question is not how can I earn the highest returns it's probably a better question might be what are the best returns I can sustain for the longest period of time uh, because it's it's just where the magic happens and uh, I don't think we I don't think people think enough about it uh, was it Archimedes that said give me a lever large enough and I can move the world right we, we talked about it too that uh, you would think well what's the difference between paying uh, half a percent or so in, in uh, fees for your investments no big deal you're losing half a percent but when you enter in the compounding it ends up with uh, thousands and hundreds of thousands sometimes millions of dollars uh, half a percent or one percent over a lifetime mm-hmm yeah, I, you know, when you really think about that, and I think the Warren Buffett number is 99% after his 50th birthday and 97% or so after his 65th. But what's, I'm not quibbling, yeah. but just I, I recognize that it's even 99, it's 99%. It's just um, staggering. It's, it's just staggering, you know. Um, and, you know, one thing I'll add too, you know, you bring that up, you know, about the, the compounding and kind of like the slow progression towards that, um, just going back to this conversation I had with David Getch, um, as he said, he spoke with someone who made personally a half a million dollars in, you know, prospecting and assuming Tesla would do well this year. And it's, you know, that's a, you know, a giant sum of money, more than a lot of people may even accumulate over their entire working careers in like their own 401k. And they did it over this one right. year. And it, and it kind of just goes back to the fact that that's a, that's a, a pursuit of this kind of like exciting, you know, daring way to invest. It's like, look at how exciting it is. I can tell my friends and, and family that I made a half million dollars this year. How exciting is that? How many people go home and say, I dollar cost averaged into my 401k and bought, you know, a few thousand dollars this year of globally diversified mutual funds? Right. Nobody. Right. And no one, uh, no one's come out and said, I invested in, uh, Company Z and and their value went from right uh, hundred to one during right, that period exactly. of time. So you only, you only hear you the, the success winners. stories, not the uh, the bad investment. So obviously, uh, active investing you win, but you also lose. And obviously, the putting in the cost, the chance of losing is probably as greater than the chance of winning. Well, and you also have to try to separate skill from luck too, right. which is very difficult because skill masquerades as luck, or luck masquerades as skill. I should say that's right. more sense. Or not even, even not even luck, but um, in in terms of presentations by money managers, ninety nine percent of them are active managers, and ninety nine percent of the ninety nine percent are uh, successful. So they're not obviously telling the the full story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I yes, I think that's true. Um, again, I think it's this idea of interrupting compounding is really what gets in the way of most people's success. And that you know, as, as Archimedes said, "Give me a lever large enough, we'll move the world." and like I said, in our business, that lever is time. Mm. We're going to go to Matt. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing just great. Yes, sir. You said from I'm looking at answering your question. You said from 1990. Yes, beginning in 1990 to About, yesterday. Uh, 195 thousand dollars. You're getting closer, but still high. Okay. Still high. Okay. Yeah. I know that's mind-boggling. Is this the prices right? So here, I'll tell you. Below, I'll or? tell you. I'll give you. I'll give sort of a hint. U.S. small value is measured by Dimensional Fund Advisors. U.S. small value index fund is up $152,000. Okay. 
Okay. So you have to ask yourself, what is done better over that period of time? Small value companies, U.S. small value companies are the standard imports 500 index. So I'm, I've made it a little easier by saying U.S. Va- U.S. small value stocks, as measured by the Dimensional Fund Advisors U.S. Small Value Fund. But you have to you have to set the rules. Is it closest or below, but not going over? Uh, price is uh, right. Up. I think you can't be over it. I you know if someone came within uh, five thousand bucks, the first person to do that, I will award my gift certificate okay. to wherever they tell me they want it. All right, Matt. That's it. Yeah, it's a good guess, though. It really is. Very intelligent All guess. Right. All right, right. Thanks. Sorry. I hope that doesn't drive you guys nuts that I kind of ran this a little. It just popped into my head right. today. Um, and getting back to that compounding, this interrupting, one of the ways we get interrupted, because um, it can happen in many ways, um, but I think the most common is finding a strategy that produces high returns, for, high returns for a period of time and then abandoning it when it eventually doesn't produce those high returns. That's probably one of the most common I see, right. guys. The other thing, too, is the uh, like the, in the beginning, you probably can't believe how slowly your portfolio is growing, and then when you get old, you can't believe how, how fast it's growing. So compounding is not a straight line. It's a, a curve that uh, gets steeper and steeper as you go along. So right. the, but as we talked about, the last years are the ones where it really pays off, but you can't get to the last years without going through the, the slower growth of the early years. It's, it's kind of as if time, you know, it's, it's such an important factor. I think it's one that separates, you know, hey, nice work from what? Wait? Are you serious? I mean, that's really what I mean, Warren Buffett is the wait. What? Are you serious? You really have amassed that amount of money over, over time. And, you know, by putting in that element of time and connecting the dots. That, yes, this wasn't 30 years. This was more than, I don't know, Warren Buffett. So he goes back to, let's see, he's probably 90, and I think he started around 20. So he's probably somewhere around in the low end, 65 years, but mm-hmm. probably somewhere closer to 70 years he's been at it. And just think about that. 99% of his net worth was created since he was 50 and 97% since he's 65. If that if that doesn't keep people's head on straight and begin to refocus people of, it's really a function of time. In fact, you could be the world's worst market timer over 30 or 40 years and become pretty darn wealthy if you just keep at it. And even if every time you seem to go in the market, it was at a market peak, <laughs> you know, over a 30, 35-year working period, you can make yourself a millionaire. That's my theory. I'm going to stick to it. Um, Ryan, I want to go to some year-end just kind of quick touches on financial planning, the big ones. Um and people probably get bugged by this at this time of year, but I don't think you can hear some of these too many times. Eventually, maybe it sticks with some people. And uh, kind of what would your bigs be if you would, if you were going to talk to somebody and say, hey, what are the things I ought to be thinking about this time of year? Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think it's easy at Christmas time um, to spend a lot on gifts and doing nice things for people. And if you find yourself dipping into I've, me, I've never seen you uh, actually have that habit, Ryan. I give to those I love. Oh, got it. <laughs> um, but for folks who uh, who maybe have done that, you know, it comes from the heart. Generally, most people have a, an interest in doing, you know, big gift giving at the holidays. If you're finding yourself dipping into like a savings, and you've maybe even for the course of the year, uh, just also uh, finding yourself spending yeah. uh, for whatever reasons life's given us in COVID years, replenishing. Your um your cash reserves in your bank account, making sure you still have like three or six months of 
uh, cash reserves in case something really bad hits this year and you need to dip in those to offset maybe income. Do you, do you think that number should be bigger? Has 2020 made you think about that emergency fund differently? I've always been cautious, so I've always been at the six-month end. Uh, I've always been at the six minute, but at, you know, it's, you know what I tell you. <laughs> you're sure. living fast. If there's a crisis, first six minutes, I'm just fat and happy. Yeah, uh, I've always I've always uh, leaned towards the six month end, just because I don't want the stress. Um, I can sleep better at night knowing that I've got a, a large cushion that I can lean on if my income were to drop uh, substantially, and I can live off of that without having to sell investments. And that's the whole point of this: is that why do we do this? Is so we don't have to dip into our hard-earned 401k or retirement funds to cover short-term needs uh, because it's costly to do so. It takes the money out. Uh, you have to pay taxes, presumably, if you don't meet some very specific guidelines. And like we talked about earlier, it's interrupting that extremely important compounding that is is truly the driver and the generator of long-term growth. Yeah, you also can't count on the government stepping in if it's a personal issue where it's not an economy-wide crisis, but you have a lose a job or have a particular problem, the government's not going to step in with $600 checks to help you out. So you, you need not what, what economists call the moral hazard here. You might think, well, why, why bother? Because the government will step in and help me, but they may not next time. Right. And I'd say, look back in history, how often has this happened? It happened, well, will happen twice in 2020. I don't remember a time before that where there was a, a giant handout um, to bail out folks. Uh, maybe, Dr. Fred, you have a longer memory. Well, no. I think we can go back to the Depression. And but it wasn't like, programs, but it, it wasn't like this. But it yeah. took years and years, years and years to get around to it, and they were, again, not, not well-targeted, mostly programs for young people to work and things of that sort. Fred, do you, think, do you think there's a certain amount of money that someone needs to have just in safe savings before they can make good business decisions? I guess I haven't thought about that. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. It depends, so on your, suppose, it depends on your risk tolerance. Probably that's a way of evading the, uh, the question. But I used you, to tell young people, you know, until you have ten dollars or $20,000 sitting safely, you can't really make good career or business decisions. Yeah. In other words, you're just maybe too panicked. You're too quick to right. do things because you really don't have any staying power. No, that's right. But there's still people who take tremendous chances. And, again, you only hear about the successes. But there are a number of people, like Spike Lee supposedly borrowed on his uh, – credit cards to finance his movies and probably 99 percent of people who did that uh, ended up with nothing and he ended up uh, super rich i'll tell you something that you don't know fred back in 1987 when i started my first registered investment advisory firm with another fellow we each had to put in a thousand dollars to start it i didn't have a thousand dollars i used my american express my wife will attest to this that I came up with my money on a credit card. That's where I was in 1987 with, uh, you know, I hadn't, I just didn't, I wasn't smart. I hadn't saved. I, had, I haven't done, I hadn't done any of the things that I would beat my kids for if they lived like I did. Um, I was, what was I, you know, in my upper 20s. First child on the way, I start this company on a credit card. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like Spike Lee, except I think he's probably well. No, I, I didn't. He might. Have I think he went to jail because he didn't pay his taxes. No, I don't know. Easy. I don't think so. Oh, not Spike Lee. I'm thinking of uh, oh, another actor uh, who's kind of a tough guy actor. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I think we're losing our audience. <laughs> <laughs> Spike Lee did not go to prison. I want to be clear on he's that. A, I mean, he's, he's he's paying his price. He's a Knicks fan. So. <laughs> well, that's true. 
So what about just the fact that most people don't have a financial plan? I mean, is that like, can you do anything right if without a plan? I think it's hard um, to do that simply because you just kind of feel like you're at the whims of the market. And I know we talk about that from time to time. But if you have a plan written out and it doesn't need to be this this complex, you know, financial jargon plan, it can be simply stay invested uh, unless my life changes dictate a change or stay invested at all costs. Something very simple that you write down, you memorialize, you put it in a desk drawer, and then when you get nervous – and you feel like you need to do something because the markets maybe are turbulent, you pull that piece of paper out and you remind yourself, why am I investing? I'm investing for retirement, which is X years away, 10, 20, 30 years away, whatever it may be. And that might help calm the emotions, which often overwhelm us during, during these times of, of turbulent markets. And Hey, so I got to interrupt because I think one of our callers, I might have been operator error this morning. I was kind of in a rush to get here and I, my computer wasn't behaving. Son Paul says, and I'll use his number, right or wrong, 194,477. So somebody called. That last that caller. Was the last caller. Was that uh, Matt? Maybe. So, Matt, here's my cell phone number, 217-493-3030. Is that dumb to give that out? It's out there yes, now. Yes, I did. <laughs> 217-493-3030. Call the station if you have a hard time getting a hold of me. Maybe this is Matt. Um, and I'll make good on it. So... If I was wrong on my number, I apologize, too. But I, I really wasn't a <laughs> you, – you were worried if I was even going to get here today on time because I'm usually here by 9.30, and I think I strolled in about 10 till. So it was one of those mornings. Um, so we have a winner. I think we do. Uh, I'm going to call it a winner because other than that or son Paul is You're the, you're, you're the umpire. Dumb. I'm the umpire. It's my 100 bucks. Uh, so just call me. Anyway, hope that didn't seem corny. Well, guys – we got another minute, but but an interesting year. Fred, thank you very much for another year of being yeah, on the money. I I've been happy to be here. Yeah, I always look forward to it. I just, you know, it's the credibility of Dr. Fred Gertz for the show. I, I really, it's very meaningful to me. Ryan, you know, it's okay that yeah. you're on the show. I'm just glad you get to see me. Dave, son Dave is being extra careful with, you know, about COVID um, for good reasons. So that's why he's been, he's not gone. He's still at, in the trenches at Rudy Wealth Management. Um, I prefer to have live guests in the stove, so Ryan's able to do it as well. So that's why we're doing that. So, Well, I'd also like to thank WDWS and the great folks here for allowing us to continue to do this show this year and for another year next year until they boot me out. And I uh, really appreciate that. It's really been a wonderful thing for me and my family and my career to have this show. I hope the listeners enjoy it. And, uh, hey, we always appreciate feedback. Uh, if it's bad feedback, call Ryan. If it's good feedback, call me. Now that everybody has my cell phone number, think of the crank calls I'll get. I'll find you if you do that. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you. Sorry, <laughs> lighthearted today. Uh, everybody have a great Christmas, happy Hanukkah, all those things. We'll be back the second week of January for another season of On the Money Radio Show. Thank you. Join us for the second and fourth Tuesday of each month for Paul Rudy's On the Money. Views expressed represent those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the station. This is News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana.